Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're now leaving the hand, leaving the team in the hands of uh, Leanne and uh, uh, Aaron. That's it um, for the next uh, for the next kind of couple of weeks. Obviously, um, <laughs> I always it's, it's his surname. I always go to say Anton. That's the thing, Aaron Dantino. That's one. Um, but obviously. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on arsblog.com, the only and by process of elimination, therefore the best podcast dedicated solely to the Arsenal women's team. As ever, I'm joined by our co-host Pippa Monique. Pippa, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Probably um, got a few extra pounds after Christmas. <laughs> not the type <laughs> of pounds I want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Pippa, I understand you have a new show coming in the new year. Would you like to tell Yay! the listeners about it? I'm super excited about this. So um, there'll be a new show on AFTV platform on YouTube uh, dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. But not only that, it'll be covering WSL as a whole. So there'll be a weekly show uh, with some guests. Hopefully I'll get you on, Tim. Awesome. And um, we'll be covering the WSL as a whole. So I'm really excited. So make sure you look out for that. Excellent stuff, excellent, and uh, and obviously really good that I know you've done a lot of stuff for AFTV um, yeah. around the women's team as well. But like really, really good on uh, you know on Robbie and, and everyone for kind of giving that that platform on a weekly basis as well. I think that's yeah, uh, that's fantastic, um, and obviously great for you as well to you know to be able to present your own show every week uh, on yeah. on there. So awesome stuff. Um, well, this week uh, we're going to talk about. Um, a subject that I think, relatively speaking, gets probably even more discussion in the women's game than it does the men's game. Uh, we're going to talk about individual awards. Um, given that, you know, award season has just passed, but also people are publishing like teams of the decade and, and, and stuff like this. But um, so to d- discuss, uh, you know, of women's football individual awards like as a concept and whether our own Vivian Miedema is perhaps unfairly overlooked in yeah. uh, in such awards we're going to talk to uh, women's football journalist the Attenborough um, of women's football Sophie Lawson Sophie thanks so much for joining us uh, no worries Sophie I know this is um, this is a subject that you've written a lot about you've certainly tweeted a lot about um, over the years so uh, just as a bit of a warm-up question I'm going to ask do you think that individual awards and to clarify what we mean by that we're talking really about things like the Ballon d'Or the FIFA Pro World 11 um, the best which I think is also distinct from the Ballon d'Or now confusingly enough do you think individual awards like this should exist in a team sport at all I, I I like the idea of them in theory, but I think as we've seen time and time again in women's football specifically, it's it's just 
a horrible, horrible popularity contest that we end up with. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that those are words exactly that uh, Vivian Mead and me used uh, yes. with me, for example, and and we might touch on that in a bit. But I guess um, my other question would be. Should we think of them differently in women's football compared to men's football? Because in men's football, I think everyone really knows that they're just kind of a fairly cynical PR exercise. And it's been a bit different in men's football because they've just been very obviously dominated by two players and Mm -hmm. rightly so over the last decade or so. Do you think in women's football we should think of them any differently or do you think there is some value in them, you know, as a promotional opportunity to showcase the best of the women's game? I think if you're putting women's awards next to men's the same show, you can <coughs> you can always use that platform and you can actually show relevant highlights of the players and you can try and shine more focus on, on the women's game. But it's it, too often we see the women's awards used too much as a, a footnote or a you know a, a, something very much on the side with the, with the men's award the um. The, the main event so, and you know it, it depends on, on on the occasion I think I've, I've watched I think Ballon d'Or or, or FIFA Best and they show the highlights for each player mm. and, and some it's I think the year Marta won it was just her taking a few penalties <laughs> so that's showcasing <laughs> any degree of her skill that's yeah. that's just hey she took some penalties um, so I you know I, I still think that just the, the the lack of coverage and the lack of what is readily available then goes on to, to hamper how how you show these players. Whereas if you've got Messi or Mbappe or Ronaldo or anyone, you, you've got so many highlights to choose from. Whereas women's football, you might just get a picture of the player yeah, at worst. So it's, yeah, you it, touched on that briefly about the whole martyr situation. And I feel like within women's, com- like with awards, it's always the player that's always well-known, they just put someone in, they think, all right, they'll know Marta, they'll know Megan Rapinoe because of the Women's World Cup. But with women's games, as you said, we don't get to see a lot of players. Like in the men's game recently, we had a new runner-up this year uh, in Virgil van Dijk. And that's because the men's game is so in our face, it's all over TV, it's global coverage. Do you think that because there's not enough coverage of the women's games, that there's not enough insight onto who people could actually vote for? Uh, Absolutely. And you don't... (coughs) In... In women's football, you tend not to have the the journalists that have that that sort of overarching idea of what's going on everywhere in the world, you know. So we say with the truncated uh, Champions League as is, you can lean on that, but you're not going to have as as intimate knowledge of what's going on in that competition as you would the men's. And trying to have a, a feel for what's going on in different leagues around the world, when you generally, if you're a journalist, you cover your home league or you have a bit of an idea of what goes on here or there yeah. so trying to then if you're if you only cover nwsl trying to evaluate players that oh you watched england that one time so that player must be good for her yeah. her league club and it's it's all a bit of a guessing game all a bit of a i remember something and oh i know her. <laughs> it's 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 not brilliant the way that we do it at the minute do you do you honestly think though that it's more of a popularity contest because when Megan Rapinoe was announced this year everyone said well she does great stuff off the pitch you know with her political stance and all that but was she the best player of the year? 
it, it depends on which specific award because some do do say you know it's it's for the the whole player both on and off the pitch um and i, I think it was it was a good year for megan rapino in terms of the political and taking a stance and giving it an, and having that bigger platform and i think sometimes when you look at the shortlist for some of these awards and you think okay well the best player of the year is none of them but hey if you give Megan Rapino um, uh, a soapbox to stand on she's going to say the best stuff so <laughs> then it's almost like okay well that's she's the best of the worst even though in football terms she had a pretty not brilliant year so mm. it's yeah. It's it's just, it's a very strange one because um, she's clearly just been nominated on the strength of her World Cup because she's barely played any league football this year. But if you actually look at her World Cup, she scored some penalties again. Really, yeah. really, you know, cool, calm, collected. A lot of stuff going on off the pitch because the um, the video that went viral that she filmed in sort of. February talking about not going to the White House mm-hmm. but if you actually assess her performances on the pitch as a footballer for for the US team as they, they, they won the World Cup she wasn't their best player and she wasn't their best player by a long long way because you could actually see she was struggling with an injury she she was a long way below her actual ability mm-hmm. so it just makes less and less sense when you say well she's been the player of the year mm-hmm. like not in football terms. No, you watched football. <laughs> yeah, and I think any year you have a major tournament, that factors, and people will watch that and they'll say, "Well, Megan Rapinoe must be great for a league club, or Rosa Bell must be great for a league club, or you know, Alex Morgan as well." As long as she's playing Thailand every week, must be fantastic. <laughs> but it's it, and it's a problem that we we you know we constantly have. And I, th- I think also with um, the American players as well, with the NWSL, because there's, um, you know, the the international calendar kind of conflicts quite a bit with the NWSL. So although Megan Rapinoe, you're, I mean, you're quite right, she didn't really do an awful lot for her club. But at the same time, um, the fact that the season runs concurrently with the World Cup in the NWSL probably means that she's not really able to. None of those American players are, are really able to have brilliant seasons for club and country because the the two kind of um, calendars just don't really coexist. I am, um, but I, I wanted to pick up a bit more on the whole like the off pitch part of it. And I think Su- uh, Susie Rack wrote, I, I thought a fairly persuasive piece about why she thought Megan Rapinoe deserved to win it. Um, and I think I think particularly in the women's game where there's not as much coverage, actually it's probably fair that things like that come into it um, and it's not just on pitch. And actually, if you think about women's football in 2019, there's an excellent chance that Megan Rapino is the first player who jumps into your head. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you think it is at all fair to take yes. that kind of um, platform influence? Because I, I think I'm right in saying in the Ballon d'Or, they do take that into account quite quite specifically. Do, do you think that's fair or do you think we should just purely be judging by on the pitch? I think it, it, it depends on your odds. If you've got, say, the Ballon d'Or, and, and, and that you can, oh, well, this is about the whole player, this is about the impact on football over this over this period of time 
that's that's fine but at some point you've got you go down the list and you say well one of these awards i think should be about football and only about football i think because that's only only fair if you are evaluating football yeah yeah and I, I think also in your kind of in your previous answer, you referenced how there aren't a lot of journalists who are or able to be even across the game globally. But some of these awards are voted for by players as well, and yeah. they obviously have the same challenges. Um, and I wanted to, I, I know this is something you and I have discussed before that actually a lot of the players don't watch women's football. Um, and I wanted to reference some comments from Steph Horton recently. She was on Jamie Carragher's podcast and, you know, she said, look, to be honest, I don't break my neck to watch a women's game when it's on. Now, it might be slightly more difficult for her because she tends to be playing herself when like WSL games are on, for example. But she did say specifically, if it's on... I won't make a huge effort. Whereas if there's like a big Champions League game or a big Premier League game in the men's, I, I make a big effort to watch it. Um, I mean, first of all, she she got some criticism, I think unfairly for those comments. Yeah, um, very unfair. What, what was your response, first of all, to those comments? And then Sophie, like how that plays into who wins these awards as well when players are involved in voting? Oh, I've, I've got to, I've got to be nice about this. Um, <laughs> I having looked over the <laughs> results of, of who votes for who, and I think it's like the FIFA Best Award because you you do um you do manager and you do captain. Mm. And for a few years of watching and seeing who who Steph has has voted for, there you you kind of already know that she doesn't watch a lot of women's football um mm. purely from from the way she votes because mm. it is that 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 skill of oh i played her a couple of years ago and she was really tough or you know it's that kind of thing it it's it, it feels a lot more like um reputation like it comes into it or or you know if you're if you're talking about that the global game it is that one time england played them or this that or the other so it, it wasn't a huge surprise when when she came out and said that. I think it's it, it is tough, and you know WSL games almost all of them. She said they're on Sunday. They're all about the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think on on your day off, maybe you want that that chance. If if women's football does pop up, you know maybe you're not that interested. Maybe you do just want to unwind. And and men's football is is everywhere all the time. Um, so it's I think it's 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 fine for her to 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 not watch as long as as i think is the way her words were, were used was a yeah. bit is a bit of a twist in them um with, with i think some of the outrage about oh well she said this but it was more of a uh, i think a misunderstanding of what could be a potential uh, assumption about her meaning if that makes sense yeah yeah it it definitely does and um I, you know, so this is an Arsenal podcast, right? So we're going to turn the lens a little bit onto Arsenal here. 
uh, because something that that certainly discussed a lot amongst Arsenal fans, and, and I think actually a little bit more widely, people who just watch the WSL um, quite often, is the fact that Vivian Miedema doesn't get anywhere near these awards. Well, that that's maybe a slight exaggeration, but um, she's never kind of seriously considered as as a proper contender. And if you're talking about um, achievements in 2019 um, she scored 53 goals for club and country won the league title uh, won player of the year broke the record for the most amount of goals scored in a WSL season broke um, her goal broke the goal scoring record for her country aged 22 um, she actually did that at a World Cup as well when lots of people were watching and you know it's, it's often said that a lot of these um, awards are dictated by how people do in international tournaments which uh, which, which kind of makes sense but at the same time Vivian Miedema and the Netherlands did get to the final and she scored you know she scored three goals during the tournament from open play I don't, I don't think anyone would say she was her, at her absolute best but she was very far from a ghost at that tournament as, as someone who isn't an Arsenal fan Sophie do you think that she is um do you think that she's unfairly overlooked when it comes to things like the Ballon d'Or and the FIFA Best and the FIFA World Pro 11, which she didn't even get into? I I think it's really hard to argue with those stats. Um, <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think if you're looking at women's football on a global stage and you say, this player got in, this one didn't. And if you're talking about what she's done in WSL, I think then it, it comes around to, do the people who vote there, do the people who nominate there think about WSL? Do they do they have a context for it? And, and then you start to question, well, you know, she did get to the World Cup final. Maybe she wasn't the Netherlands' most effervescent player, but she, as you said, she wasn't a ghost. I think and that, that when you look at Minamar and, and sort of the last five years of her career you look at the way she come up it came up when she was in her teens I, I i hate to phrase it like this but i don't think she uh is as charismatic uh, as people w- would want for her to to, to to win these awards so you kind of look at a megan rapino or sam kerr or alex morgan or Marta or someone like that and they kind of have that much more general crowd appeal Whereas I think Midamai can be seen as a little bit, um, uh, not necessarily standoffish, but maybe a little bit awkward or not quite. Oh, you know, I, I think like if you, if you talk to like Arsenal fans as well, they might say, oh, they prefer uh, Dan Van der Donk or, or whatever. Whereas I think if you get talking to to Viv, you'll find out that she is actually a really charismatic player. Mm-hmm. It's just it's her personality is so different. I think it it doesn't work in her favour, which is probably a good thing that she doesn't really care about personal awards. I mean, as she, does she say that she doesn't care about awards or does she just shrug it off as if she doesn't care? Because I feel like she does care. Everyone who's an athlete should have that care because everyone's competitive that plays some type of sport, especially in football. And I feel like she does care and she does, doesn't want to change her charismatic, change her character to become like other people that win individual awards or am I completely wrong I mean I think Tim's probably interviewed her at length and probably has a better idea but I think you can want to be the best footballer in the world you can want to sort of be be the best in your league score all the goals do everything for your country 
show your versatility and your virtuosity. But sort of be aware that these types of awards aren't necessarily going to reflect that. Mm. So I, I think, you know, you can sort of be in pursuit of being a better player whilst saying, oh, I, I'll never win that. That doesn't matter. That is, that's an in- insignificant thing. It, you know, as long as I know I'm pushing myself and I'm better, you know. Yeah. But wouldn't you want to get awarded for that? What do you do it all for, though? I know you want your team to win. You want to win trophies. Surely you want to win individual awards as well. Um, I, I think you can probably quantify it in what you achieve uh, uh, together as a team. And I think if you look at Arsenal last season with, with, with the injuries, the, the fact that they still got over the line to, to, to win the title or the, the fact that you know, the team is back in the Champions League, I think you can sort of set yourself goals or do things for, for the team and still think you're pushing yourself and, and, and achieving, mm. even if someone isn't saying, yeah, you were the best of the year. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I think you touch on um, a really interesting point, Sophie, when you say you speak to her, you realise that she is actually very charismatic and um, that just because she's quite... I mean, we discussed this on our last podcast. She's quite contradictory in that she's quite introverted, but she's also, like, very outspoken. Um, You know, like I'll, I'll quote exactly verbatim because she did about 10 words what she said when I asked her about being left out of the FIFA Pro World 11 of the year she said everyone knows it's a popularity contest I don't go on Twitter and Instagram uh, very much I don't give a shit about individual awards but I think it's a joke and those kind of last two sentences I think really show you her character in that I, I completely um I completely believe her when she says she doesn't really care and actually I th- I I think like people almost ask her now um almost like as a kind of party trick because it's like go on Viv tell us how much you don't care again we really like it when you do that and um but actually I I think you're quite right and I I think this is probably like a wider discussion about um I think there's like a bias against introverts right we we tend to value as a society we we value extroverts more and um, this is not to downplay because I've got all the time in the world for Megan Rapino. I really do, and everything she says and everything she's achieved. But it's 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 like slightly easier to vote for the purple-haired um, woman who's really really good at giving speeches and you know is like fantastic in front of the cameras and and a really good player and does like iconic celebrations and and then you've got Viv who's just like um, like I say like very outspoken and actually but. But you do realise she is very interesting. She is, I think, a big character, but just in a completely different and possibly unmedia friendly way. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's that that, that that that's about fair and, and, and right, really. And that it's I it's hard to imagine. Say, if she won the the FIFA Best or the Ballon d'Or or whatever, her sort of coming up and giving a, a good speech that you know sort of is is as rousing as one Megan Rapinoe would give or as, you know, as reactionary as, as <laughs> the one, you know, the type that we've seen Marta give, mm. you know, as, as a motive. So, it, which is, which is, which is a great shame. And it's just a weird way of quantifying footballers. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. And, and, and I kind of think people, 
um, as well. I, I, you know, I think I think it goes in all professions and in all kind of areas of society. Actually, that we we kind of we gravitate towards um, you know the extroverts um, as characters, and we, and we see more value in those. Um, Sophie, I want to kind of take the discussion in a slightly different uh, direction to wrap up. Um, you wrote quite an interesting article um, a few weeks ago about the Conti Cup, and we've got we've got the quarterfinals coming up now. Um, and I I just wanted to get your kind of your thousand foot view on the Conti Cup, whether it's still a worthwhile pursuit in the women's game and if so whether the current format where you have the group stages which let's be honest are a bit of a chore um, <laughs> and even the quarterfinals not uh, you know we all know who the semi-finalists are going to be right and and i suppose that's just the inequality that's at the heart of, of the women's game but do you think that the conti cup is still a worthwhile pursuit and if so um do you think that the current format does it justice and is it possible to come up with a format that could do it justice um, I obviously can't remember what I wrote now. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's been a long year. Uh, it's it's interesting because I think the majority of journalists you talk to just would be so happy to see the Conti Cup gone. Uh, they they have they just don't care. The coverage on it is 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 so bad. You know, you look at the the, um, the attendance numbers for Conti Cup games; they're not brilliant. So it, it it's almost that it's quite a hard sell to fans. But then when you talk to the players, and I think that's sort of the the, the point is we, we miss a few times with the competition is the second tier players, yes, some get absolutely trounced, but they still talk about the the, the value of the the competition that they can get those extra games uh, against a, a top a top team. You know, it's just and even say um you know wsl teams because they can rotate they can those peripheral players will get a chance um so you know you'll get development squad players coming in so i think when you talk to the players they they like it they're in favor of it because for some it's ju it's just more game time and it's it's more more chance to to put into practice things off the field and say if you lose a league game and you can get straight back in with with a conti cup game and maybe there's not quite so much jeopardy but you can try and put things right immediately. But um, the the current format, it's it's not brilliant. And I think that for the, I mean, not just the fact that you've got lopsided groups. So I think there was Manchester United, Manchester City, Everton, mm. Leicester, and Birmingham City in one group. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous because. What, what what good is that ever going to do Leicester City um, other than just re sort of reducing the number of WSL teams in in the next round that's mm. that that's a really really tough one for Leicester it's a hard sell um, but it, I think you need to sort of look at what is feasible in terms of who will play who so one gets a good number of teams uh, against matches against uh, top tier or, or bottom tier or second tier I should say and when you're you're scheduling your matches, because all the all these part-time uh, teams in the second tier trying to get to evening games after a full day of work, um, you know, rushing rushing to the, the 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 team bus, you know, an hour before they're actually due to finish work 
so they can get to wherever they need to be that doesn't work you're not going to get a good game if you've got players coming in after a full day of work or leaving half your team at home because they couldn't travel because they were at work or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever I think that is, is, is a huge huge problem with uh, the, the current format and it needs to be looked at so maybe you're only playing weekend games and, and how everything balances out and what you can do to maybe not make it you know fairer for, for the second tier teams but to give them more of a more of a chance so they can put out a better team if they have the opportunity quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, very much so. And and Pippa, to wrap up, um, I believe you're going to ask a question about the WSL title race. Oh yes, I mean it's been it's been really tight recently, and it still is quite tight. But who who do you have your money on? Let's say like who, what do you how do you reckon is going to go down to the wire towards the end of the season? Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, I I think if if Sam Kerr just slots right into that Chelsea team then they're going to be very tough to beat because mm-hmm. I think the one the one weakness they might have is is that their occasional inability to score goals I think if you've got Sam Kerr if you've got Beth England if you've got Frank Kirby not injured you know you've got G you're yeah. going to score goals and and Sam Kerr we think is, is going to is going to just score a lot of goals in this league so that I, I think will will play into into Chelsea's favour and the fact that they're not in the Champions League, so they don't have those odd extra couple of games here and there. Yeah, that maybe will stretch a sw- a smaller squad like Arsenal's. Yeah, um, but I, I think I think Chelsea might might just have it this year. Yeah, they could but... possibly nick it, and I and like and the the recent game against Man City where they just managed to get the win, just and. I was going to ask you about Sam Kerr as well, and that's obviously going to add so much quality to their team. And so, as an Arsenal fan, we've got to be weary now because I really feel like Chelsea could nick it coming down to the end of the wire. I think I think the, the, the worry with Arsenal is if you get an injury or two, mm. because Joe does like those smaller squads, and you know, as you saw last season, you can't really afford those those injuries. Um, mm. Because I think that the team is still playing, you know, good football. There's that 
that sort of the, the, the first half of last season where it was it, it was just liquid. I think we've, you can still see bits of that when you watch Arsenal play, but there are games that it's it's so laborious mm. and it, it's so hard for the team to sort of get going and just find those those passages of play. So I think maybe Arsenal are that a little bit more likely to drop points. I, 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 I wouldn't put money on anything. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think what's really interesting about the title race is you've got um, it, it's going to be the, the games the top three play against one another Man City yeah. have lost both their games but against Chelsea and Arsenal but they've both been away so they've got them both at home in the second half of the season Chelsea have won those games against City and Arsenal but have had them both at home so they've got to go mm-hmm. away to both teams and then you've got Arsenal who, who completely straddle who've beaten Man City at home lost to Chelsea away so they've got another home and away game and that's that's a really interesting dynamic and um, just just to kind of finish Sophie we, we talked about um, Sam Kerr coming into the league and obviously th- I, this was always going to happen it's created a debate about um, salary caps in the WSL because yeah. Sam Kerr is a huge marquee signing possibly the biggest marquee signing we've seen in this country certainly in the age of professionalism to take a player at the top of her game at her peak you know, playing in the States and taking her to England is is a massive, massive statement from Chelsea. And obviously it's going to cost them quite a bit of money to do it. Um, and and obviously that, that then brings uh, the subject of the salary cap up. Should we get rid of it so that we can get more players like Sam Kerr? But then, you know, how does that contribute to the already pretty stark inequality in the league? What's your view on um, on the kind of the salary cap and, and whether it should be altered so that more players like Sam Kerr can come into the league? I think it's a really nice idea in theory. Um, it, it's, <laughs> I think that the whole reason it's in place that maybe people aren't aren't fully aware of is that the um the, the main bulk of what uh, a, a club bring in goes back into the infrastructure and it's it's the idea is uh, for the sustainability of the sport so that a club is is putting money back in before they're spending money on on players and, and lavish salaries which is is you know is fair and i think i think and i I think from memory, and I might be a little bit wrong. Uh, so I do apologise if I am. It was something that the um, the FA sort of put in place because they'd seen what had happened in um, the US with the league folding a few times. Mm. So they thought, well, how can we make sure our league is, is stronger and doesn't fold? So it, it's it's a great idea, but what we're seeing with with different teams, obviously they're bringing in different amounts of money because some teams are are more commercially viable, some just get bigger gates. But there are certain loopholes in the in the current current way of doing things, so that teams can just then pour in money from from the men's side to sort of beef up what they've got coming in, so they can spend more money on players already. So it, it unfortunately doesn't really work in practice because there are ways for teams to get around it, which then just pushes more inequality. Mm. Um, so I, I think. If you if you did away with it, you have to hope that that teams are sensible enough that they're not spending all their money on players and they are putting it back into the club as well. So I think you need the responsibility from from clubs if you were to scrap it. But I, it's kind of there in a flimsy way. 
not not the most steadfast of things uh, as it is right now yeah yeah because that when the wsl was created they had a salary cap where i believe the rule was that the salary cap was twenty thousand pounds a year but you had four players who could earn more um and what that did was promoted a big spread of the quality around the league so arsenal for example hemorrhaged a lot of players because um someone like ellen white for example wasn't in arsenal's top four earners but she could go to Notts county and be one of their top four earners and therefore earn 30,000 a year instead of 20,000 a year. And, and that promoted a lot of uh, a, a much better spread of quality in the league. And you had players, uh, sorry, teams like Bristol City actually challenging to win the thing. Um, that was kind of changed on the sly a couple of years ago when they made it about revenue. And, and as you say, Arsenal are definitely a team who exploits that loophole. But I guess with the inequality discussion, it's how much do you focus on the teams at the bottom of the WSL? And then what Chelsea are clearly doing right now is they've got their eyes on Leon because that is a big inequality at the top of the yeah. European game where Leon are walking the Champions League every year. And Chelsea, I think, are throwing down that that's who they're looking at at the moment. So they're you know obviously they're not focused on like Everton and Bristol City in the WSL they're focused on Leon, and I guess they would argue that they're trying to eliminate that kind of inequality by by creating more competition um, at the top of the European game and 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 obviously Leon's dominance is not a great thing for a competition like the Champions League right it's um, I, I don't know how frank I can be um <clears throat> As much as I, I really respect what Leon do, and um, you know, it's not a thing that they've just instantly poured money in. And hey, presto, they've got a team. It's been a work in progress for a long, long time, and it's the entire <clears throat> it's the entire culture around the team now. And it is somewhere that players will rave about being because of the atmosphere, because of the training environments. So I think if if clubs are trying to emulate or better. Leon, they need to understand that it is a gradual process and it is about having that, that big competitive team. But I I personally, as someone who covers women's football, um Frank, I'm bored of watching Leon win the Champions mm. League. Yeah. I, I was gutted when Barcelona got absolutely taken apart in, in, in Budapest because of their own inexperience. You know, and and I when I watch Wolfsburg go up against Lyon, and Wolfsburg are usually at the worst point of their season when they play Lyon, and they invariably lose. I'm thinking there's got to be can someone step up, make this more interesting. So you know, it, I think you've got to be aware of, of the the overall game, but know that it takes time. You can't just sign Sam Kerr, win the league, then win the Champions League. You need a, a, a like incredibly firm foundations you need a really really deep squad to compete and and you need a, a mentality that I, I say a lot that that if you compare Lyon to any team it's it's the US women's team mm. because they've just got this this savage mentality that they could be winning 1-0 they could be winning 10-0 it doesn't matter they are always trying to score they're always just ruthless on high alert I don't think that's necessarily a mentality that other teams preach, which is yeah, maybe where you see these 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 gaps opening up. So I think to beat Lyon, it's not just about having the most expensive squad. Mm. It's everything. And 
And I don't think a lot of teams have that particular infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And, and thinking back to when Arsenal won it in 2007, um, Arsenal weren't the best team in Europe when they won it. They actually got quite a bit of luck. But what had happened was they'd been to the semi-finals, quarter-finals, five, six years in a row. They mm-hmm. were experienced in the competition. They'd gone deep plenty of times. They'd gone close a few times. And then one year it just fell for them. Um, and, and I think you're right. And, and actually, I, I don't think Chelsea are under any illusions um, about that. And if Arsenal and Man mm-hmm. City, if this creates a bit of an arms race... Um, I don't think Arsenal and Man City will be either, but um, it's it's certainly going to be fascinating to see how it all pans out. Um, anyway, Sophie, I think we've kept you um, enough time now. Uh, thank you so much for your time um, and for your insights. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Well, uh, thanks for having me. And you can follow Sophie on Twitter, and you should... Um, at Lawson <laughs> underscore SV um, I can't think of anyone who has uh, a better knowledge of the, the you know the women's game as like a, as globally um, as Sophie mm. does um, and honestly she has more bylines than I can have than I've got time to mention here so do do, <laughs> do follow Sophie if you don't already um, Pippa and I will be back with another Arsenal Women Askcast next month we have that yeah. locked down and arranged um, we were going to talk to some guys from Arsenal.com who cover the Arsenal women. Um, unfortunately, we did plan to speak to them the week that Arsenal appointed Mikel <laughs> Arteta, which meant that they were too busy to do it. So we've put it off till next month. But uh, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. We we looked for a hole in the calendar when uh, the Arsenal men or women weren't actually playing, and it just happened to be the week that Arsenal appointed a new manager. So that's mm-hmm. on the shelf for you for January. But Pippa and I will be back with that next month. In the meantime. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll speak to you in January. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.